And I think one of the biggest obstacles, missionaries come home and a lot of times, you know, they've reached this pinnacle of spirituality on their mission and they take off the badge and all of a sudden they think, you know, oh, I've got I've to come down to earth. Instead of having just one little area, you know, you had one little area that was yours, now it's the world. Wasn't it obvious then and isn't it obvious now that if I want fish, I can get fish? What I need, Peter, are disciples, and I need them forever. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Preach My Gospel podcast. We are excited to have another episode, and especially I'm excited today to be able to welcome in uh, two guests who are amazing friends of the return missionary, Steve and Mariana Richardson. Um, Steve and Mariana are both uh, return mission leaders. They served together in uh, Brazil. Remind me what mission that was. Sao Paulo South. Sao Paulo South. And you got home in? 2011. 2011. Awesome. So maybe some of your return missionaries can, can be listening in and remembering their mission leaders. You're also both professors at BYU uh, Mariana, what 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 do you teach at BYU? I teach in the business school okay. at the Marriott School. Great. I teach business management, and then I also uh, I'm the faculty advisor for the Marriott Student Review. Oh, okay, wonderful. How about you, Steve? I am a computer science professor. Okay, okay. teaching uh, translation by computer is my specialty there, and also some basic courses in Python. So, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Tell us a little bit about your family. Well, we have twelve children. And 32 grandchildren. Oh, my word. And uh, we also have met, and, and eight of them have served missions. Wow. We have uh, five sons and seven daughters. And so uh, we are definitely a missionary family. We, we did spend some time once just kind of seeing how many missions, you know, between uh, our children, the, the people they married, and us. How many missions we've served? I think it's up to like fourteen or fifteen. So, we we are a missionary family. We we love serving missions and being a part of a mission and doing that. It's just it's wonderful. So you've had the opportunity for all that mission preparation. You've been with it as as your kids have written home and participated in their missions, and then you've seen them transition home for missions. And in addition to that. For the last about decade since you've been home from your mission, you have been teaching a class called My Plan for Return Missionaries. And uh, that's based on the My Plan curriculum of the church and uh, the Gospel and the Productive Life Institute manual. So you've been knee deep in helping return missionaries besides your own kids, uh, all of these various institute students for a lot of years. Well, we've also written a book called The Return Missionary Handbook which also kind of goes through some of these um, topics as well. Okay, wonderful. And speaking of writing a book, you just also wrote another book, and it's about to, it just got published, right? I did, published, for right? Come Follow Me. I did uh, for, it's Daily Devotions, 365 Daily Devotionals for the Book of Mormon. That is awesome. And do you want to just tell us, I love how you described who the three authors are. Oh, well, it's, it, it's under the brand of Women Read Scripture. Uh-huh. And so we have different women, uh, you know, older women, middle-aged women, and young, you know, married um, women talking about how the scriptures 
have to do with our wife, uh, our lives as women. I think all too often, women oftentimes feel like the scriptures don't have to do with my life because it's written by a man and it's from a man's perspective. Right. But I 100% know that the scriptures have very much to do with our lives as women. Yeah, that's. Well, I, I can't wait to read that book. I think that's going to be fantastic. It's great. We have a Women in the Scriptures class here at the Institute. It's very popular and uh, just so much we can learn from that perspective. So I love it. Um, so if, I don't know how many of, of the listeners know that um, prior, I, I think I mentioned this in the last episode of the last season, but prior um, to going to serving as a mission leader in 2014, I was asked to be part of a project that the church was starting for the return missionary. It was called My Plan. And in 2014, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but uh, I was filmed on two different occasions. They came and brought cameras to our home and they just wanted to talk to me as a return missionary to, to talk to me about how I had transitioned home and had continued my discipleship. And so many of you returning missionaries may recognize my, my voice from that, but that was something I did in 2014. And then over the course of being a mission leader, had a chance to watch all my missionaries go through that in their final six weeks. I had an exit interview with them where I would talk to, to the missionaries about their plan. And then as they come home, they have an opportunity uh, you all have an opportunity to talk about that with your stake president. I'm currently a stake president, and so I've continued to work with my plan on the other end of it, where I the, the missionaries come home, I have an interview and get to talk to them about, about their plan. And so I know for most of the missionaries, as they come home, they are very fired up, excited about their plan. They just had six weeks in the mission field, their last transfer to talk about it and to plan. And, you know, each week they would have about an hour to go over that and, and fill the spirit and to now come home and say, I'm excited to get after it. But the reality is sometimes after not very long that my plan that they had that, that gets shuffled in a, in a drawer or it gets packed away with their missionary things and they get on with life and almost forget that they had a plan. And so just like to, to chat with you today about what you have seen as missionaries come home, they have that plan in mind, but, but how a missionary, what obstacles they face and, and what you've learned about how a missionary can continue to be faithfully implementing that plan. Well, I, uh, I was a stake president before we went on the mission and had an opportunity to release a lot of missionaries and then we saw, uh, when we've been teaching this class f for the last 10 years, right, this return missionary class, here at UVU I figured for five years, right? Uh -huh. And uh, we see that, w I, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you as a stake president are really after this because <laughs> I think the key is having a priesthood leader who will actually review when the missionaries released, right, actually have a, a meeting with them and say, show me your my plan, you know, show me what you're going for. And then to maybe even follow up with them or have the bishops follow up with them, right? Because accountability, as we know, in the mission field is a huge thing, right? We're, we are accountable uh, for everything we do. So accountability is a big thing. And uh, you have to take those plans that you created and then say, okay, you know, how are we going to transition that? And, uh, and uh, I would like to point out that uh, in the gospel library— Right. There is uh, if you go to a, a gospel library and then you go to the adults 
uh, section, and you go to the young adult section, and then in that, you will see uh, a little uh, square there that says, my plan for returned missionaries. Now, this is different from your my plan, right, yeah, which you did right. for the missionaries on the mission, but my plan for returned missionaries is there, and that has six or, well, it has seven lessons. And the whole point is that it takes the goals and everything that you did from my plan during the mission and tries to put them into what you're doing now. And, and, uh, and so that's where we pick up in this class. You know, we, we use that, my plan for return missionaries, along with the gospel and the productive life curriculum uh, as our curriculum for this class, right? We yeah. combine the two and mm -hmm. have them together. So, uh, and just one comment on, you, you asked about obstacles, right? I think one of the biggest obstacles, and I think you, Mariana, you might wanna say some more about this, is missionaries come home and a lot of times, you know, they've reached this pinnacle of spirituality on their mission, and they take off the badge, and all of a sudden they think, you know, oh, I've got I've to come down to earth. Actually, there's a lot of expectation, even amongst family, even from parents sometimes, like, you know, oh, come down off that, you know, <laughs> that uh, soapbox, right? You're a little weird right now. You know, you you're just weird. Adjust. You don't want to watch any movies with us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and and friends, especially especially those who didn't go on missions, they say, oh, come on, you know, let's go do what we did before. And you're different, right? And so one of the obstacles is really to say, look, you're different. You, in a good way, you have to keep progressing. If that was the best two years of your life, then why should you see, <laughs> you know, the best two years are yet to come. And you have to keep growing. And so we just have to overcome that mentality. And maybe you want to say something else about that. Well, Mariana. one of the great stories that I, I think of an experience we had of a wonderful return missionary, incredible return missionary, who came up to me and said, Sister Richardson, I've had such a hard time coming home. And he said, the reason is, is because before the mission, I wasn't that active in the church. And a matter of fact, the main reason why I went on a mission was because my family was very active and I just wanted them to get off my back. You know, they <laughs> kept on saying, oh, come on, you got to go on a mission. So he said, I went and he said, I completely changed on my mission, you know, in that I was away from, he was into video games. And so because of video games, he didn't study and he didn't go to church and he didn't do things. And he said, I was away from video games. And all of a sudden I realized I like studying and he was in a foreign mission and he was like, I like learning a language and all of these things. And he said, and once I started studying the gospel, I loved the gospel. So when he came home, he said all of his family and his friends who didn't serve a mission all expected him to be the same person right. when he left. And he said, I'm different. Even my family will go to church or church activity and won't invite me because I would never go before. <laughs> but he's like, I want to go now. Yeah. And so his whole point is, is we all need to help return missionaries stay at that level, not feel like they have to come down for friends or family, that we need to support them. If they want to wake up at 530 in the morning to read their scriptures every morning, Woohoo! That's <laughs> great. We it. want them that's to right. keep Not on doing that. Not just stay at the level, right? But continue, uh, continue upward. going upward. Yeah. That it needs to continue to upward. their spirituality. And we tell them when they come and take the class, there are certain things that you can do to have more spirituality than you ever did, even on your mission. Absolutely. And the number one thing that we tell them to do is, we said, how many times did you pray 
on the mission. During a day, on a day. And on a daily one basis. day, we yeah. have them actually go and count it. And most of them, it was between <laughs> 30 to 50 in one day. Yeah, talk about pray always, right? Yeah. yeah. And so then I'll ask them, well, how often do you pray now? Yeah. And then you wonder why you don't feel the spirit in the same way. And so we challenge them to, on their phone, on their watch, whatever they, they do, to just put a little timer and pray at least once an hour. Uh-huh. You know, that just a little reminder. Yeah. And I said, you know, you can find, I, I always tell them, <laughs> I always go into the bathroom sometimes. That's my little closet. <laughs> or you can just do it. You know, you can just do it too. in your mind. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. it's it's a wonderful Sometimes it's a time. formal thing, and sometimes it's just sometimes I'm it's driving just down thought. the road, and I'm talking to God. But they've come exactly. back to us. They've yeah. come back to us after that lesson we teach them, and they've said, wow, you know, I felt the Spirit just like I did on my mission. Yeah. Right. And, and it's great because yeah. they realize. And the other thing that we talk to them about is the daily schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were a missionary, you had a daily schedule that you kept, and you kept it very strongly. And I said, the daily schedule is a wonderful way to live. Yeah. And all too often, when they come back, they don't get up, you know, early in the morning. They they get to bed at 2 or 3 in the, you know. And I said, okay, what happens when you, you know, stay up till 2 a.m. or 3 a.m.? What happens the next day? How do you feel? How do you feel spiritually? It doesn't matter what you were doing. It's, you know, even if you were studying or doing things, you don't feel good. And I said, that, but a daily schedule, you get up, you exercise, you read your scriptures, and then you get going on the day. And I said, that's a great way to live. And you need to keep those same habits that you had on your Of course, mission. it could be adapted, right? I mean, to have a schedule is the is the thing, right? right? Not necessarily the same schedule that you had, but to have time in the day to do each of those things and to have a schedule and to follow the schedule. Again, the discipline of the mission. When really I helps when I release that. missionaries, I always ask them the question: Which of the things you did on your mission can you no longer do? Which which of the things you did have to fall out of your routine? And the reality is, when they they answer that Everything. question, can they still? Can they still study your scriptures? Absolutely. Can you still pray throughout the day? Do you still plan? Do you still exercise? Do you still eat a balanced you know, diet to help your physical self grow? Do you still do random acts of kindness and service to people, magnify a calling? You do all those things, and now you can add to it regular temple attendance, institute attendance. Um, there's things that you can even build on the top of it. And when you're at school... To me, that's that's spirituality because what am I doing? Preparing myself to be a provider, to fulfill my my purpose in in the proclamation to the family that's given to me. And so working allows me to get my education, which allows me to so everything we do at home is just a continuation of that great that's pattern. That's a really we important point. You know, a lot of times what we hear is they say, "Oh, I was always turning outward on my mission. Yeah. I was always focused on other people, and now it seems so selfish for me to be thinking about myself and my career and my education." And we say, "Wait a second. Okay, why are you going to school? Why are you working? Why are you doing these things? It's all about the purpose for which you're doing them, right? And on the mission, and on the mission, you had the missionary purpose, which was to invite others to come into Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, now that you're home, your missionary purpose did not change. It's yeah. still to invite others to come into Christ. And in order to do that, what do you need to do? You need to get an education. You need to have a family. You need to do all these things 
if you have in your mind the reason for which you're doing these things, all of a sudden it's no longer about you. It's about becoming a, even an, an even better instrument in the hands of the Lord to invite others to come into Christ. Meanwhile, you can still keep inviting people every day to come into Christ, right? Yeah. But the more you do these other things, the more you prepare yourself, the better you will become at inviting others to come into Christ. And I think along with that, this idea of, as you were describing, the mission when you come home, I think all too often they think, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't have that opportunity to give lessons every single day and do all those things. But I say to them, look, instead of having just one little area, you know, you had one little area that was yours, now it's the world. (laughs) And not only is it the world, but it's people who have passed on, you know, and so missionary work includes temple work and doing, you know, the temple for the temple that, that have died. And then also it's, it's, Everybody around you, every yeah. single person you meet, you don't have to worry, oh, are they in my area or not? Yeah. No, it's it's the world. <laughs> exactly. So it's missionary, it's and, expanded. And you may be looking, you know, you may have exclusively been mostly focused on non-members of the church before, but the missionary purpose says invite others, others. to come into Christ, Everybody. not others. Sometimes we, we narrow that, but your roommates yeah. that you're meeting at college— oh. Uh, that you have plenty of opportunities. We talked in our one of our previous episodes about your former companions and what you can do to look after them. Your you might come home and have family members that are struggling. You'll receive a calling as a minister. We want to talk in future episodes about how you can continue to be a powerful minister. So, I mean, the opportunities to continue ministering and serving and loving it just it just expands we, more than we actually at the beginning of every class in our in our you know weekly class we actually invite people to to share a few experiences they've had in the last week or two in inviting others to come into Christ and and we actually prompt them by saying exactly what you just said which is okay this doesn't have to be you know, somebody that you baptized right now or taught the gospel. It could be a former person that you were teaching. It could be a former convert you had, a former companion. It could be a younger sibling with whom you're reading the scriptures and who's preparing for the mission. It could be somebody at work. It could be a, a family member. It could be a, mem- a number mem- a person that you're doing a ministering visit to. All these people, inviting people to come unto Christ, touches every interaction that we have with everybody, member of the church or not, of any age. And past and 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 now, you know, beyond mortality. <laughs> beyond the grave. Any age of all the way back. And I think right? of you two, um, twelve children, and all of your grandchildren. And so, when both of you were getting an education, you're both very educated people with multiple degrees, and all that time you were spending um, has enabled you to support. Number one, support the temporal needs of that large of a family, as well as to be well-educated so that you could teach and train. And you think of the number of missionaries that have come from your training and, and more than missionaries, just disciples. And then that's going to another generation and to another generation. And so all those things you did when you came home from the mission to, to prepare yourself to do what you're doing for your family now is extraordinary. And I know a lot of returning missionaries, they maybe can't see that far in the future. Like, did you, could you ever imagine the posterity that you have, but you just took one step and then another step. And before you know it, you had a degree and then you had a job and then you had a child. And before you know it, 
you you are sitting where you are today. And I, I just I just hope all of you returning missionaries can have that vision and believe that going after your future is a journey that you take one step at a time. You're not going to get to where the Richardsons are tomorrow. And it would be overwhelming to think of those possibilities. But if you take one step at a time, it'll blow you away what, what you're able to accomplish if you have a goal. If you have a vision for your life, you make plans and, and goals and then plans on how to accomplish those goals before you know it, you're accomplishing some pretty incredible things. You're actually teaching one of the main points of the first introductory lesson that we do in our class every semester, which is as you invite people to come to Christ, right, you, it, it, it exponentially expands, right? Is you invite somebody to come to Christ and then they turn around like your children turn around and become missionaries. How many people did they invite to come to Christ? How many people did those people? And, and we've done sort of this little uh, mathematical esti estimation, right? At the end of your life, we ask them, you know, how many people either directly or indirectly through your posterity, through other people you've taught and through other people they've taught, how many people do you think will have been invited to come to Christ because of what you did? And we figure that it's on the order, I'm sorry, I'm a math guy, right? It's <laughs> an order, on the order of about 10,000, right, yeah. at the end of your life. And that's just mortality. That's not counting the, uh, temple, you know, work. The temple yeah. work you're doing <laughs> oh. and what will continue beyond there. But it's, you're, that vision is amazing, what you just explained. But I also um, wanted to talk to us for a moment about your, your thought that sometimes return missionaries look at older people and say, oh, there's no way I can get that. There's yeah. no way I can be like them. And one of the other things that my plan for return missionary talks a lot about is getting a mentor. Mm, and right. I think how powerful it is for especially return missionaries to find someone who will help them. And oftentimes they don't realize that these you know, people that they look up to went through all of the same problems and difficulties and struggles financially, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do for their life, you know, finding a, uh, an eternal companion, all of those things, you know, they had to go through the same thing. And so if you find a, a mentor that can really help you understand and kind of hear their story, listen to their stories, it will enable you to be able to have that hope that dream, but especially that vision. Yeah, I think that's great. We always assign in our stake a member of our state council or the extended presidencies to mentor the returning missionaries when they come home. But any of you can come home from your mission and just pick a mentor. I'll bet if, if you just have somebody you really look up to, you could just go to that person and just say, hey, I'm coming home from my mission and I really look up to you. And could I just pick your brain or talk to you? Your parents can be that for you an aunt or an uncle, a teacher that you come across, someone that you grew up with in your ward that you, you really look up to. And particularly, perhaps they have the same career path that you want to go down. Mm -hmm. And you could really benefit from the wisdom of, of people that have gone before you. You can get mentors in different areas, yeah, too. True, right? true. In fact, this is so cool because we just taught this lesson last Tuesday exactly on getting a mentor, and, and we invited them. We always give people, we always give the missionaries an invitation, right? Remember all these techniques you learned on your mission, right? You <laughs> keep everything using to them. Your life everything now. to do with your everything life now. Everything to do with your life now. Everything you on your mission has everything, everything to do with your life gospel. now. And giving invitations to people when you teach them is the same thing as so when we teach them. We say we invite you to, you know, make a list of people that could be your mentors, could be different areas, blah blah blah. And then this week they're all supposed to be thinking about that, praying about that. 
rather than approaching people. And we say, look, we've been approached to be a mentor. You're never going to get – it's not going to be like when you were knocking doors and you got refused all the time. Yeah. These people are going to be caring <laughs> yeah. about you, you know. They're going exactly. to they're gonna want – they're going to be happy to, to help you to be your mentor. Yeah. You know, I also want to just comment on one other thing too, your patriarchal blessing. Ooh. As people come home from their mission, I think how powerful and how important it is for them to read and study their patriarchal blessing. When we talk about mentors, the greatest mentor is the Savior, Jesus Christ. They learned that on their mission, but the patriarchal blessing is their opportunity to hear the voice of their Heavenly Father, who has given them that vision that we're talking about. And so for them, I think, especially as we turn missionary, to have that be a guide. All too often, I, I tell the missionaries when we talk to them how all too often people put their patriarchal blessing up on a shelf, and then when something happens in their life, they dust it off <laughs> and they bring it down. And I said, just like scriptures, the patriarchal blessing is your personal scripture, and you have to decide how regularly you're going to do it. And I, I tell them, I do it every fast Sunday. Every fast Sunday, I read and study my patriarchal blessing and ask the Lord, am I doing what I need to do to make these things come to pass? And I promise missionaries, return missionaries especially, that if they will follow that, they will gain a vision. They will gain an understanding of what they need to do. Yeah, the Lord has a plan for everybody, right? Like, we're not all the same. We all have different gifts, abilities. The Lord has certain things in mind for each of us. And I think that what you're teaching is so powerful. We need to tap into the mind of the Lord and find out what is it that you uniquely want me to do and what do I need to do to begin? And I know studying your patriarchal blessing was a part of my plan in the mission field. It's, it's in, and, it's and in, it's in the, the curriculum. It's in the return. It's in the return. It's a really great activity, actually. Yeah, exactly. Take your patriarchal blessing and, and highlight words and, yeah. and then look them up. Marianna talked about I have, I have to acknowledge something. Yeah. I've been a patriarch for the last three years. Oh, wow. And so everything Marianna is saying about that. Well, tell, to, to, talk to us more about what would well, you add to what so she, she said so beautifully. So she and I talked to the people, uh, you know, before we give them patriarchal blessings and some of the things Marianna has just said are things we tell them to do to study their patriarchal blessing, to do it regularly, to follow the activity. This activity that's in My Plan for Return Missionaries, uh, Mariana often invites them to do that as we yeah. do it. But I'll just say, on my end, I will bear testimony that these patriarchal blessings are not from the patriarch. It is, it is, a, uh, it is an incredible an incredible thing to uh, give these and to have the spirit of revelation. It is pure revelation. I do not know these people. And uh, it always takes hours of preparation to to pray about, to think about, to reread all of the possible spiritual gifts, to reflect. And I have a whole journal of things that I've written about giving patriarchal blessings that I go through every time before I give a blessing. And as I do, I think about, okay, this particular person, I also get a picture of them. I put it up on my computer screen. I think, okay, what is this, you know, which one of these gifts does this person have? And as I think about them and ponder about them, it comes. And then I get out a piece of paper and a pencil and I start to make some notes. And it's interesting. It just, you know, I start writing something and then it just flows. It just flows. And, I, and I'll try to keep the notes very, very succinct. I'll just make like two little yellow stickies of notes. And then that'll just be my outline for the blessing. And then during the blessing... 
you know, of course, rely on the Spirit to say what I need to do. But I just, I want to testify to all of you who are listening that your patriarchal blessing is truly from your Father in Heaven, and it is truly a guide for your life. And especially as a return missionary, as has been said here, uh, it will be one of the most powerful and important uh, guidelines that you can use as a return missionary. Oh, so glad I'm so glad to hear you share that, and just the perfect person to talk about that as I think about the many decisions that a returning missionary has ahead of them. So many really critical moments lie ahead, decisions about school and education, what to study, career path, dating, all those kinds of things. You teach in your class, you've kind of organized a little uh, visual, I've seen it before, where you have the foundation and then some pillars, and then kind of the roof. Could you visually try to describe that? We have people maybe driving down the road listening to this, but if you can paint a visual image, I think to me this is something that you can all hang uh, your understanding of, of my plan and what it's all about. You can hang it on this analogy really well. It helped me when I saw it. So so this is just a little block diagram, really, but it looks like a looks like the one of the Greek buildings. What is that, like the... Parthenon. Parthenon, right? So at the foundation, a big granite block, big rectangular granite block is the doctrine of Christ. Everything we do is founded on the doctrine of Christ. That is our foundation. And I'm sure all of your mission presidents, I mean, my missionaries, I hope they never got sick of it, but I, (laughs) I just talked about the doctrine of Christ all the time. And then each one of these five pillars that holds up the roof, right? One is work or career. One is education. One is courtship. We emphasize, by the way, that that's not dating, that's courtship, and there's a difference, right? The other one is service, and then the last one is spirituality or discipleship, right? Those five things are the key areas that you need as a return missionary to keep in balance to, so that your building doesn't fall one way or the other, right, as you're building this, this structure of your life. And uh, oftentimes missionaries will come home and they'll— of course, they'll you know they'll have to like get a job or get into the school or something, and they'll immerse themselves in that and start to emphasize less the you know the spirituality or the service or the courtship, which is so sad, right? Because we have that as a center pillar, by the way, mm-hmm. and then and then the roof of the building is um, is to become a an eternal uh, husband and father, wife and mother. I mean, that's you know we're heading for the celestial kingdom. It's like President Nelson said, think celestial, yeah. right? Yeah. And that roof represents, think celestial. What are we going to be doing? What do we need to do to prepare ourselves to be in that celestial uh, realm and to have a celestial and eternal life? I did want to talk just for a moment about that center pillar of, of you know, <laughs> how important that is. I think all too we'll often— we'll have several episodes on that I'm later. Sure you but will. for you, I'm I'd sure love to you get will. your perspective today. But one thing that I think that is really important, all too often when a missionary comes home, especially when it comes to preach my gospel, they think preach my gospel was for the mission. It has nothing to do with my life now. And I had the experience when we came home, and I tell them I when we came off our mission, you know, we didn't have a home, we didn't have— we didn't have jobs. We didn't have a car. You know, we didn't have phones. We didn't have anything. And I said, I, just like you, I had to redefine myself. I had to figure out what I was going to do. I had to, except I had all these children and a family to take care of and find a new home. And 
Um, so after about a year, I was still reading my scriptures. I was still, you know, doing all those things. But I can remember I sat in my office and just sat there and said, there's something missing in my life. And I looked, I loved to read, and I had a book of, a whole wall of books. And I looked at it and preached my gospel, just kind of popped out. And I grabbed it and I started reading it again. And I have such a testimony that every single page had, I felt, as much or more to do with my life now after the mission than it did while we were mission leaders. And the, the one thing that I would say in terms of courtship is we also, perfect example, we go to the finding chapter. Yeah, chapter, chapter nine. nine. And we'd say, you had, you had those principles of finding. Those same principles have to do with how you find an eternal companion. And we read sections of that and we kind of change it instead of, Finding an investigator, we changed the friend, verbiage. A friend, we, a friend right? <laughs> we changed. I know. Yes, it's changed. We we changed that to courtship and to finding, you know, an eternal yeah. companion, and all those principles still work. Yeah, absolutely. They're all and, there. And also, chapter ten, the the uh, teaching chapter, right? How to how to ask inspired questions, yeah. how yeah, to listen. We, we actually have a role play. You know, we, we use all the techniques that you used in your zone conferences, right? <laughs> we do a little role play where we say, okay, you know, you know how to ask inspired questions, right? They're not yes, no questions, right? They make people share their experiences. How are you going to find out about this person that you're dating? What kind of person they really are? How are you going to find out if they're really, you know, strong priesthood holder or whatever? You're not going to say, well, do you have a temple recommend or not, <laughs> right? And what would you, what kind of inspired question would you ask, right? You might say something like, well, you know, gee, I, I love to go to the temple regularly. What What's one of the great experiences you've had in the temple? You know, and let yeah. them Give explain them it. So express. you, you, Use those same techniques of asking inspired questions and then listening and the whole thing on listening, right? And listening to what they say and let those things drive what you're going to ask. Yeah, Elder, those, Holland, has Elder a great, Holland has a great quote there great in Preach My Gospel. There. still there in the new version it's of It's still there. It's, yes, definitely. But as Mariana said, all the things in Preach My Gospel is in this most important effort of finding a true companion along with every other are all there in Preach My Gospel. Yep. I love that. And that's we call this the Preach My Gospel podcast. Preach my and gospel. it's not like it's something, hey, well, I thought this was a return missionary podcast. It, it is a manual that you can use continually life. throughout the rest of your life. Amen. As we conclude this episode today, I'm, I'm thinking about the missionary who's come home and who didn't get a mentor and who didn't follow their plan and has found themselves a year or two or even six weeks or whatever down the road. And they're like, oh. I have I have not done that. Would would both of you just take a, a minute to to just speak to to that person who might have lost hope or feels like it's too late, that they've squandered the lessons of their mission, that they're not applying them. What would you say to them, particularly as it relates to the Savior? So um, for for about six years, we worked at the young single adult um, Alpine Stake, and our specific calling was to bring return missionaries back. And so what we would do is we would um, once a week gather, depending on what ward we were working in, we would get the whole, um, their ward council to come. And I usually brought cinnamon rolls or cookies or something so that you could get in the door. <laughs> and we would target all the return missionaries that were just like you described. Yeah. 
And we talked about, okay, so what would you do to touch their heart? How would you bring them back? And the number one thing we found was to go and just ask them about their mission and to rekindle. You know, we talk a lot about having fire in your bones, rekindling that fire in their bones. And I would say to any return missionary that's had a, a period of, of time where he doesn't feel like he's been going up in spirituality or hasn't feel like he has done, you know, the things that he should, then I would say 100% come to Institute, come back to church. We are here with open arms to greet you. But not only that, also go down on your knees and talk to your Heavenly Father about it, and he will tell you what to do. He will give you the path that you need to go. And I think all too often, that's what takes the faith. The faith is that first step. That faith is going down on your knees. And once you do, the Lord will make his path straight. He will enable you to be able to find out what it is you need to do. It's beautiful. Thank you. I, I have this image, you know, when we when when you as missionaries taught your investigators, I'm sorry, I should say friends again. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're the old, we're the the old guys. Yeah. We're the old, we all uh, preach my gospel. When you taught your friends about the gospel, right, and you knew that they had to cha- make changes in their lives, and most of you have seen dramatic changes in their lives, and you witnessed firsthand the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, what it, what it took to build their faith. You taught them how to build their faith. Well... If you need to build your faith, you know exactly what to do. That's what you taught your your friends to do. You taught them how to repent, what to do. You know how to you know how that works, and you know what they did. Just act like you are teaching yourself those things and start to do that. And you also try to convey to them that the Savior stands with open arms, inviting you to come unto Him, to to experience His love and to experience. Uh, his spirit, and to uh, feel uh, remission of your sins. There's no greater joy than to feel the Savior's love and embrace and to be have your sins remitted. And uh, I would say as you, re, you know, go back and read your missionary journal where that happened or do something like that to reflect on what that is and then say, okay, the Savior is inviting me to come back. And I know that in him I can do it. And we just, Moroni chapter 7, verse 30, 33, right? The Savior standing with, uh, with open arms to invite us back. And if you doubt that, that you can do it, you know, just listen to this verse again. Moroni chapter 7, verse 33. Christ hath said, and this is Christ speaking to you and to me and to everyone. If you will have faith in me, you shall have power, power to do whatsoever thing is expedient in me. And I testify that it is indeed expedient in him that you return to him, for he wants nothing more for you than to have you experienced the greatest joys and happiness, all that the Father has to give to you. And, uh, and he, will, he will make that possible. Start with baby steps. Rebuild it. Rekindle your faith. As Mariana said, rekindle that fire in your, in your bones as you reflect on the things that happened on your mission. Start to do the things you taught your friends to do. And... Uh, you will begin again to feel his love, and that love will motivate you, and, and you'll, it'll build your faith, just like it says in Alma 32, right? One step at a time, your faith will grow, and you will find soon that you are back at the tree, 
partaking of the fruit, which is white above all that is white, sweet above all that is sweet, and filling your soul with joy. And I just bear testimony that that's true. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bear that testimony. Amen. Amen. That's the good news. The good news is it's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late with the Savior to come back, and he, he does stand with open arms ready to greet each of you. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your testimonies. Uh, I felt the Spirit as I listened to you, and I hope all of you uh, returning missionaries can just feel hope, believe that, that you have unlimited potential, that with God at your side, you truly can do all things. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Preach My Gospel podcast. If you feel this podcast might be helpful to others, please invite them to join us for our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe using the link found in the episode notes to submit questions and offer suggestions. For more information about Institute and other offerings from the Utah Valley Institute of Religion, please visit utahvalleyinstitute.com. You may also find us on Instagram at Preach My Gospel Podcast. The Preach My Gospel podcast is produced with permission from the Utah Valley Institute of Religion. The hosts are expressing their personal views based on their experiences, applying the principles of Preach My Gospel, and accept full responsibility for the content in these episodes. Thank you.